audio. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring Monument Health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune into your health with Monument Health. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me is a primary care physician from Sturgis, Dr. Joy Mueller. Thank you very much for joining me, uh, Dr. Mueller. And of course, Mackenzie Grimm, who is with her as well, a certified social worker in Sturgis. And I am kind of getting excited for back to school because this is the last back to school for my kid so he's entering his senior year i'm excited a little sad but still more excited all right uh it's time for him to make his way um (laughs) he's a great kid and it is it's it's hard i mean as a parent too when you've got when this is it and you're like you know you're done and you'll never have another back to school day that gets it gets kind of sad um but as we gear up for this uh i think we want to talk a little bit dr mueller and mckenzie um about that conversation that you should sit down and have with your kid as we're getting ready for the school year, right? I mean, it's not so much of just, hey, August 27th, the school year starts. I hope your backpack's ready. How do you begin this conversation with your kids? What's the best way to to get it started as they're getting apprehensive right now? <laughs> I think just to let them know being nervous is normal, adjustment's normal. You have friends and let them know school is a safe place and that we're here for you. Right. You know, your kid's success can be based on your parents' support as well. That that seems, I think most parents understand that. I think they do realize that. But I don't know how many parents put a lot of effort into it, right? Is I that fair agree. to say, mm-hmm. I suppose? Um, so what are, when it comes to, what, what are like common anxieties for kids when it's time to go back to school? Because a lot of these kids, like mine, he's done it now 13 times, mm-hmm. right? Why would he still be anxious? What would some of these anxieties still be? I know for seniors, it's prepping for the future. What yeah. happens? The tests. Where do we go? Those big decisions. You're an adult first. <laughs> I see a lot of kids going into middle school and social media and clothes become a thing, you know. That's the age where kids start to realize different socioeconomic statuses, um, food, all social media plays right. into that a lot. Is that has to be one of the biggest challenges? Have you? Is that one of the bigger challenges you've seen with kids? Yeah. Is social media? <laughs> yeah. What age should they have a phone, Mackenzie? Oh my gosh! Don't quote me on that. No. Driving? I don't know. That's not that one. <laughs> That's well, it is. You know, these kids get phones so young, and. And I know, as a parent, that it isn't easy to police them, even with some of the things that they have. And some of that stuff is going to slip through the cracks, <laughs> and it's going to weigh on their minds. So that must be a big, a big part of your practice and what you talk with about these kids. It is just healthy boundaries as a whole, and when's a good time to have it and to cut it off. Right. I, I tell people three hours a day, but. In the American wow, Academy that, of Pediatrics. That's very high. That number seems high. I think you'd be shocked at what people spend on their phone. Right. But I don't, I don't know what research suggests. Wow. Um, but it is a lot. <laughs> um, but then some teachers let them have music in classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things count. Right. I think the other part of it is it's not about policing their use. It's about, you know, when they're young and they're watching TV, if you're engaged with what your kids are watching and you talk about stuff, most of the cartoons now, and my kids are in the, 
you know, the Disney Junior face of life. Okay. And it's amazing if I'm paying attention to what's going on, the questions that my six-year-old will ask me. Mm-hmm. And most of the shows have a, you know, a, a goal to teach teamwork or, um, you know, Bluey has a lot of right. oh, interpersonal yeah. and social kind of things. And if you're engaged in talking to your kids about that kind of stuff, I think you have a much better opportunity um, to to help them understand how that relates to their life. Mm-hmm. Um, I have definitely referenced my son's favorite cartoons on occasion. Hey, remember when Gonzo struggled with that on Muppet Babies? <laughs> Do you, how did he deal with it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that, Mom. <laughs> yep. And so, I, and I'm okay with that. You know, I, yeah. I like that we have that connection and he's seen somebody else work through it, whether it's a fictional character or not. And then to, um, in primary care where we get to see it is during their well-child check, we, at different ages, we talk about, are you wearing a helmet? Are you doing chores? And then, you know, for the younger kids as they get older, are you, are you, do you have good supportive friends? Do you feel like your friends make good choices? How do you interact with them if they're not making a good choice? Um, and then as they get a little bit older, hey, if you end up in a situation where you're uncomfortable, would you feel comfortable calling your parents? Yeah. And those kind of things. And I think sometimes the kids are like, yeah, I know. My parents talk about this all the time. I'm like, awesome. That's great. And then sometimes everybody has the deer in the headlights look. And then you I, I'm worried because those challenging situations every kid ends up in, um, you know, their best friend decides they don't want to be their friend halfway mm-hmm. through lunch today. How, how are they going to deal with that? Are they going to let it roll off of them or is that devastating right. to them? Um, every kid's got a different personality. Some parents are more aware of their kid's personality as far as, um, you know, I've got a really sensitive kid, I've got a really easy, um, easygoing kid, my kid loves confrontation. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, you just gotta be aware of it, and that way when things, when these things come up, right. um, and you get the call from the teacher saying, hey, <laughs> FYI, let's talk about that, and you're like, yeah, I know, we're working on it, versus, I had no idea my yeah. kid took this stuff personal. And so those are where I get to, kind of interact and be involved um and the you know the school sports physicals are also a soup, uh, an important time that the kids come into contact with a healthcare provider um, i believe the newest sports physical forms ask a little bit about at the top of the form it talks a little bit about um do you do you feel like you're anxious often do you feel sad often that kind of stuff because if your kid is a high achieving kid that's in sports and maybe doesn't you know, doesn't need much, and they're done getting their shots. You might not, you know, think it's important right. to bring them in. Is that after. is that kind of a is that a recent addition to to this? Yes, to these within sports? the last couple of years. Oh, really? Even um, that recent? Yep, because like it's at the top of the South Dakota High School Athletic Association sports form. Like just general questions you talk about. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you have to check off, but it is suggested items because ah, I think I they see. they appreciate that most kids once they're done getting their shots don't have much need to go back into the doctor's office regular so it kind of 
I enjoy visiting about it. And within Monument, you get um, sports physicals. Mm-hmm. Is, do all clinics do the sports physicals for free? Um, and so oh, yeah. you just call mm-hmm. the clinics and make appointments. And so then you're interacting with that healthcare provider. And that's a great time to bring up. Yeah, I'm super anxious all the time. We lose one basketball game and it wrecks my world. Right. Okay, let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> well, that makes yeah, perfect sense. So, um, so then there are, obviously, as, as kids are getting ready here, because, yeah, we're, we're a month out right about, maybe just a little less before school gets started here again. Yeah. Um, so there are, are there, are, do you guys recommend, like, routines and schedules and things like this um, at a certain, like, time in the summer? Do you keep these routines and schedules throughout the summer? I mean, you know, you want to be more lenient with your kids to let them unwind for a while. But um, what can parents do to kind of relieve a little of that anxiety through that kind of stuff, routines and schedules and things? I think exposure as a whole is just good for people and children to build that trust. I don't know if you want to alleviate a schedule per se because it creates consistency. Right. And so Dr. Mill and I are in daycare stage right now and <laughs> schedules and so we that continues with our kids. Yeah. That's but, very important at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> we know that, you know, good sleep is important for kids of all ages. Good nutrition is important for kids of all ages. Modeling good healthy habits is always important. If you're eating healthy food and getting, you know, going for a walk or spending time outside rather than being on your phone. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how quick our kids will pick up, well, I want a phone like mommy. Like, okay, I've been on my phone too much, <laughs> noted. Um, and by modeling those good behaviors and being with them and and not, um, and not every family functions or thrives off of mm-hmm. routine. And so, you know, there's not one way to do it, but we do know that all kids need good, consistent sleep. We know they need good nutrition and how can we support them in that. And um, yeah, it's a It's always interesting going from the summer to the school time schedule. Um, I think a lot of teachers would probably say it can be challenging for many (laughs) different reasons and in different ages too, right? Like your teenager probably, um, and most teenagers are fine staying up late at night sleeping in in the morning. Exactly. But that only works for so long. And that's right. and there are a limited number of jobs as an adult that you get mm-hmm. to stay up all night and sleep in all morning. <laughs> so there's a sense of, you know, and when you go off to college, you still have that. You can schedule your classes. Yeah, later in the know, day, exactly. Or whatever, right. but most people are going to end up with a job that they have to show yep. up to on a decent time. So that's a transition. Um you know, well, we all can make. And you mentioned the teachers and stuff as they, you know, they, they look at this first couple of months of school. Um What's a good do you do you recommend? I mean, I, I think every parent should be talking with their teachers or their collaborators and things like that, too. Do you guys have advice for that uh, and what they should do with their teachers and, and what what helps in that anxiety when it comes to going back to school? I think if you know your kid struggles with certain situations, maybe your child um, you know, struggles with new with new routines or has some, um, you know, sensory processing stuff where they they struggle with. Um, unfamiliar things or they're they're really um, finicky about certain things but it doesn't raise to the level of needing that individual education plan or the IEP to communicate that kind of stuff with the teachers saying hey just so you know here's something we've been aware of doesn't have an official diagnosis here's how we handle it let me know if that's going to work or if you need us to change the way we address things at home Um, easily frustrated super picky and won't eat anything besides the two items I send in their lunch bag. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. We're okay with that because they're getting good nutrition at home. If you could just not 
make that an issue at school, yeah. that'd be great. And I think those, I think most teachers would appreciate just the open communication and the offer to talk about it more if they want. I think teachers have a very, very full plate. Oh, sure. And they just want to know, is the kid safe? Is the kid healthy? Are they supposed to be doing something different? Or is everything being addressed? Right. Um, now, you mentioned a little bit the, the struggles, obviously, that kids have when a new school year is about to begin. Some parents... I think maybe maybe they struggle with just recognizing what those struggles are. So how do what are some things you look for? What what should you kind of be paying attention to as we get, you know, closer to a school year? Some of the things is just their level of functioning. You know, are they sleeping excessively long? Are they not sleeping? Um, eating habits. Where are we at with that? Um, I worry about females with social media and yeah. getting into middle school. Um, how do they make friends? What Are they irritable? I mean, kids really are no different than we are. We get irritable when change happens, and you can tell that in your children. And so to your point of a teacher, too, I mean, it creates another stable person in their life. Sure. It seems like uh, it just seems super difficult the way you describe the things that you should watch for, you know. A lot of kids are just kind of like that, mm -hmm. you know. So as a parent, boy, you do have to be super vigilant to really notice the smaller changes that might be in there, right? Because, yeah, most kids, like you said, they sleep, you know, late, stay up late, the whole thing. They might not eat well during the summertime anyway because it's just a junk food free-for-all. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, noticing really the small things. But I really think that's where that community can be helpful. Um, some people, some parents have to do it all on their own. There's a lot of single parents that mm -hmm. raise healthy, oh, yeah. productive kids. But if your child is in school, you have at least one other person who's paying attention to what's going on. If they're in sports or if they're in some kind of activity, that's another set of eyes. Most schools will have a counselor of some kind. Um, you know, I know at my son's elementary school, they have... I forget what it's called, but essentially they they build social skills once a month, and it's um, throughout all the different mm -hmm. ages. And I know that that's part of the curriculum in most schools now. And so, if they see something that raises you know raises to their level of concern, trusting and trying to understand what these people who also surround your kid are seeing, is a really good place to start because most parents are doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. And if they've got a lot of demands and a lot of weight that they're carrying maybe for other family members, for work, all these things, it's hard to be as vigilant as, um, you know, as we talk no, about. So course. trusting that community that's there and incorporating them. Um, if you know your child struggles or you're worried your child is struggling, it's always okay to take them into their primary care, you know, their pediatrician, their family med doc, and say, hey, she seems real anxious lately, hasn't seemed anxious in the past. Is this something we need to worry about? Can we talk about this? You know, maybe that would be a time when Mackenzie would see him and visit a little bit. Maybe it's something that the school counselor could address. Um, it's, it's so important to utilize those resources that are out there. And they're not perfect, but between all of us, I think we can get most kids the best right. that we have to offer. Yeah, and get and get ready for the year. Well, I think you kind of covered the last question I had there too. Was you know kind of setting those realistic goals and, and expectations as well for the school year. Lots of parents or guardians, you know, you need to you need to take that role and make sure that, like you just explained, you know, get them to their primary care doctor, have them talk with Mackenzie if that is what needs to be done. Um, I know it's you know uh, therapists and therapy around here are it's kind of tight to get into some of those places right now. There they seem to be very 
fully booked. Um, but how, Mackenzie, how could they reach you uh, if they wanted to, t- to talk? They can just call the clinic. Okay. And you don't need In Sturgis? Re- yep. Okay. And you don't need a referral to see me. And then we keep a walk-in open every day, too, for like crisis oh, wow. appointments or overflow from the ED if somebody yeah. needs it. And so we try to be as flexible as possible. Well, you know, I never asked you, uh, what, why, Mackenzie, why did you choose this profession? <laughs> what drew you to it? Oh, uh, my undergrad is in addiction studies. Okay. And so I went through that and did therapy with addictions, and I had a great mentor who told me I should continue on past addictions and kind of gave me the direction. Otherwise, I, I had truly had no interest in social work per mm-hmm. se, but she was the one that was like, you really should go on. And so I took a couple year break from school and then I decided to go back to grad school. Well, and I guess the reason why I'm asking, because it seems like you 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 feel pretty fulfilled in what you're doing and helping these people. I do. Yeah. And, and because there seems to me I don't know if it's a shortage per se from people that do what you do. Um, maybe hearing this podcast, some people that may be in a similar situation, you may be like, well, that might be the place I, that's where I want to turn. This might be interesting to work with primary care physicians and to do a job that's, you know, not just constantly seeing, you know, patients that you book. Cause like I said, you were in private practice, which, which do you like more? So I wasn't in private practice. Oh, I'm sorry. So I came from Avera Behavioral Health. In oh, Sioux Falls. I see. Okay, got it. Yes. But truly, I one of the biggest takeaways I have from this is the wraparound care and patient care is astounding in a primary care clinic because I can be like, gosh, they don't seem right. This doesn't seem be- behavioral health. I can talk to Dr. Mueller. We have this team approach, and we can really figure out what's best for the client instead of it being so right. siloed. I, it really is good patient care, but how I got to that, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, it seems like it, it's you, good teamwork. Yeah, and it is a unique profession, kind of, from a social working standpoint, really. It, does, it seems like you're doing something that's just a little different that just seems to add to you know, what you get out of it, I think. It is, and I... It helps too, like to have the addictions background because in Sturgis you see that as well, mm-hmm. which isn't unique to a primary care either. No, we have a um, addiction and recovery center in. Uh, uh, it's a privately funded, you know, grant funded kind of program up at Sturgis right. that people come for drug and alcohol recovery stuff, and um, our. So because of the location of that, we get to um, help some of those patients more often, and it's something that maybe we get to see in our clinic a little bit more often. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a a thing. Uh, I'm um, I'm I'm excited that I live in Sturgis, so I'm I'm happy that uh, <laughs> that if I need this, I've just talked to two people where I know where to turn. Now this is great. Um, now Lead and Deadwood has Lead Deadwood the, Clinic has one as well. Her okay, is Erin, and she's available Monday through Friday. Excellent. And then Spearfish has a clinical social worker social worker also, and I think she's there part-time. Okay. But still a great resource and access as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and the um, Florman Clinic, Resident Clinic, has Mary. Excellent. Oh, this has been, it's been so much fun talking to both of you. Now, do you guys have, you have kids that are going to school too, both of you? We do. What grade is your oldest one going into then? So first grade. Oh boy, you're <laughs> just getting started. We're on the other end that of was, this. That was so much fun though. Um, you know, it's, and just to watch 
the the personality of your kids mm-hmm. as they start to change throughout school to see who they're going to become. I never thought my kid would be doing what he's doing, so it was super surprising and awesome. To, he's a he's an excellent uh, debater. He's been to nationals three straight years, cool. so he's very good at it. And I never thought. Well, I should have known. He's just a great arguer. I should have already. I mean, he's been able to win in every single argument since he's been a kid. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, he's, he's, he's never had, he's never been anxious about going back to school. He's always liked it, uh, which is fun. But, you know, uh, obviously, like we talked about, people can struggle with that. I'd say that's another important thing. Like, many of us have kids that don't have the same experience and personality we have. Right. And so not only to appreciate that your kid is going to struggle in ways you didn't, but to not project your struggles from, you know, if I struggled <laughs> in middle school with a certain thing, that's not a given that my kid is going to struggle with that. Right. And so um, as parents, being aware of ourselves and how we can have help and how maybe some of us, um, as we get older uh, or as our kids get older, sometimes the things we say help and sometimes they don't help. Yeah. And appreciating what we do and how it affects our kids, too. And maybe the comments we make, you know, we talk a lot about um, middle school and the the boys and girls being very self-conscious of the way they look and the way they feel and stuff like that and not to um, you know not to add to that at all right and just remind our kids that healthy diet um, activity that makes them happy it's not about a certain clothing size it's not about a certain look healthy eating habits are always the most important thing it's not about um, you know, weight loss or any of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, because we want, we definitely try and address it during the world child checks, making sure they're healthy, but we don't want to give any kids um, <laughs> body image issues because oh, it no is kidding. so, so rampant. It is. And just uh, appreciating what we do and how it helps and how it doesn't help sometimes. Excellent. Thank you very much. Primary care physician, Dr. Joy Mueller, Mackenzie Grimm, certified social worker, both out of Sturgis. Thank you guys for talking. I Thank really you. had a good time. Thank you. Thank you. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.